This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. Nothing feels as good as making others feel good. Those so-called feel-good holiday films? They can't hold a gingerbread-scented candle to the feeling of giving them something that gives them all the feels. Make this December one to remember. Together. Click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Here's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove Podcast. We're going to talk Major League Baseball, free agency, and, of course, the lockout. We're inviting in Graham Wallace to talk with us about that. We're going to talk college football, all the latest news, all the coaching carousel, and the upcoming conference championships. And then we'll talk the NFL. We'll give you our picks for this week and talk a little NFL news as well. That and more. That's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove Podcast. From Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network, you're listening to the Sports Stove Podcast with your host, Vince Stover. Welcome in to another Sports Stove Podcast. I'm your host, Vince Stover. I'm joined as I am usually by my dad, Dale Stover. Dad, how you doing? Doing good, doing good. Got a lot to talk about tonight. A lot of going on in sports, for sure. It is a good week to be a sports talk host. Uh, there is a whole lot happening this week uh, from college football to the NFL and even Major League Baseball getting involved in the action uh, this week as well. So we do have a lot to talk about and excited about getting into these things here today. Uh, we are going to have a special guest on with us, our friend Graham Wallace from BellyUpSports.com. And also Blue Jays Journal uh, will be with us, and he'll be talking uh, Major League Baseball, free agency, and then the lockout as well. Uh, it's an interesting time in Major League Baseball. We'll get to that in just a second. Uh, a lot of stuff to talk about with the coaching carousel and the college football and things going on uh, there as well. Quick special announcement. Friday morning, 9 a.m., the Sports Stove is going to be live on the ColorCast app. Uh, now, you can only get this app if you're an Apple user, but you can download the app for free. And then at 9 a.m., you can search Sports Stove. You'll find us there talking, and you can actually join the show, uh, get on the show there, and talk as well about the sports news and the things going on. Uh, so encourage everyone to get on the ColorCast app and uh, be there with us at 9 a.m. on Friday morning. Looking forward to that opportunity to partner with ColorCast and uh, could be a a partnership that moving forward, we'll get to do some more things there as well. Of course, you can always find us on social media at Sports Stove on Twitter and Instagram. And then on YouTube, the Sports Stove podcast is there as well. Uh, Dad, everyone told us coming into the end of the baseball season that we were going to have a lockout. Um, Major League Baseball and the Players Association have never really been able to work together. Uh, so are you surprised by the lockout here with Major League Baseball? Uh, no, uh, not really. I mean, there's a his. I don't understand it at all, and I don't believe uh, it's the wise thing at all to do. I personally, I don't know that I've ever quite recovered from the last strike. Um, I know a lot of fans, but again, this was a great year for baseball. But um, the climate is such. Uh, I mean, I, I'm not quite sure. I to me, I always feel like when these kind of things happen, they're ignoring the fans the people who really make it possible for them to do what they do. And um, so, you know, again, baseball has got a little bit of a history of this. And you've said several times, baseball hasn't always taken advantage or does the wise thing as far as, um, you know, garnering fans and, 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 you know, people being positive about it. And this, I don't understand. I kind of don't understand this. Maybe Graham will have another take on it. Yeah, you know, at this point, it's not too big of an issue. Number one, a lot of people knew it was coming. Uh, number two, it, we're so far away at this point where it can still be resolved and, and plenty of time, and it won't affect very much um, at all. It actually made some for some exciting news this week with free agency, guys trying to get signed before the lockout took effect and things like that. So that, that brought some fun into it. Um, hopefully, they'll get this resolved. You know, we can ask Graham this as well, but... Who do we believe? Uh, who do we trust? Do we trust more Major League Baseball and what they're telling us? Or do we trust more the Players Association and what they're telling us? Because Major League Baseball says Players Association refuses to compromise. They say this is what they want, and they refuse to move off of it. 
we can't do business like that. Um, of course, the Players Association will turn it around on Major League Baseball and and whatnot. So who do we believe? Do we believe anybody uh, or do we assume they're both lying just to kind of try to help their side? Uh, I would think they're both trying to help their side. I'd feel a little more maybe on the side of the players. Um, as far as the owners being up front and telling the truth, I, I, I don't know about that because, again, there's uh, a lot involved from their companies and everything on that. But I, I at, the, at this stage in our country, everybody's trying to benefit themselves, unfortunately, and um, I'm sure they're both posturing that way. Yeah, you look at some of these baseball players, they're making some really good money. Now, the lower end guys, the minor league baseball, and there's been things done to help minor league baseball, actually, that has been positive over this year. But, um, you know, I have a hard time. Both sides make a lot of money. So it's hard to, to really feel bad for either side in these situations and, and everything that's going on there. I don't know. Your Giants took a little bit of a hit. Uh, Gossman uh, left. He signed with the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, have you been paying attention or have you just decided to kind of wait uh, until everything calms down and then look and see what the team looks like when, when it's all said and done. Yeah, I haven't paid much attention, even, you know, keep, keep, I haven't kept up really with the free agency. Um, and, you know, we'll just have to see where it all shakes out. Um, you know, at, at the end, you know, with free agency, it just changes everything around so much. And it really does in baseball about as much as anything. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, there's no use to get too concerned at this point. Yeah, I admit baseball always confuses me um, with our arbitration and all these contracts being tendered and those kinds of things. I'm always a little confused by it, um, and I've never really felt that interested in diving into the details. <laughs> I figure, let me get to when the roster set, then I'll know who's on the team, and I, I know when people leave and things like that. But uh, uh, you know, and and I I'm a fan of Milwaukee, small market. They usually don't sign guys to big contracts and things like that, but they're working hard to keep their pitchers because Corbin Burns, uh, Woodruff, Hader, all of have been tendered offers and 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 will probably go to arbitration. But uh, uh, anyways, before we get to Graham Wallace, uh, you're paying attention to some hockey stuff. Is there anything that we need to be aware of for the hockey season so far? Well, I mean, it, it's early in the season. Um, I I keep up with the Predators. I haven't been able to keep up with everything. I know you talked, um, <clears throat> and when we had our hockey guy on, you know, about young stars, and it looks like they're really shining. Matthews had a great goal the other night. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I think, I think hockey is growing. Uh, of course, it's going to help with being on ESPN and being on, you know, more channels. Um, people, it's going to be better exposure. But I think part of that is young players who are scorers, who are, um, you know, exciting from there. Um, so I, I think they're headed in the right direction. Again, hockey's a long season, so you can't get too, too um, you know, optimistic or too pessimistic. Um, but it's always better to be winning than losing, and the Predators are doing well. Um, some teams finally making a little bit of a move. I haven't kept up with all of it, but I know the Red Wings, who've been down for a long time, are playing better this year. Um, the Rangers, you know, some of the big market teams um, doing well there. Um, Minnesota's ahead in our division. Of course, they did well going into the playoffs last year. So um, I, it seems like hockey, what little I see, and I know keeping up with Nashville, I think the arenas are full in most cases. Uh, you know, they have fans coming, and I think the extra TV exposure will make um, for a lot more national excitement when we get to the playoffs. Yeah, after my hockey career ended following college, and then we moved to Kentucky where they have a hockey team actually at University of Kentucky, but they play at midnight. Um, and I'm too old for that. So I haven't had a chance to go watch Kentucky's hockey team yet, but, uh, nonetheless, maybe one of these days I'll, I'll take a nap and then take the kids out to a hockey game or something. Uh, one of, one of these days, but, uh, enough of hockey and, uh, anything Canadian. No, wait, we have more Canadian, uh, to talk about tonight. Uh, joining us now is our friend from Canada. Our baseball extraordinaire, uh, Graham Wallace. Graham, thanks for being back with us. Oh, thanks for having me on, Vince. Uh, always great to be on the sports stove. Well, it's good to have you back. And, you know, it's an interesting time. Uh, we brought you on to talk baseball. And uh, I'm not sure if you heard, but they uh, started a lockdown. 
uh, lockout uh, uh, here coming up. So uh, yeah. what do we make? I know we expected this to happen, but what do we make of the lockout? Uh, it's it's disappointing for sure that they, they weren't able to hammer out a deal, although it was anticipated that th- this would uh, the lockout would start today. Um you know, a lot of these issues have been kind of boiling over for a while as far as free agency is concerned, service time. Uh, a lot of the players and uh, baseball people don't like tanking, uh, just teams just not trying to win at all. And uh, also competitive balance. Uh, they they want to get rid of that uh, competitive balance and, and revenue sharing. So um, as you guys know, there's the kind of the haves in baseball, like the Yankees and the Dodgers, Red Sox, teams like that. And then there's the have-nots, the Baltimores and, the, and you know, the Pittsburghs. You mentioned Milwaukee's not really a big market team. They've had success over the last number of years due to some shrewd moves, and I would say a top manager in Craig Council. But teams like them and the Rays, they have to be really smart, uh, monitor the transfer, or not transfer window, but the non-tendered players that become available, hit on their draft picks, and try to pick up players off the scrap heap. And if they could do that, they could find success. But if they make mistakes, uh, usually there's not so much uh, success. So um, we'll have to see what happens uh, over the next few months. Yeah, I mean, Baltimore is even talking about moving one of their best players uh, in Mullins. And, you know, that you see that a lot with those those kinds of programs where the only way they get better is to move one guy to get like four <laughs> stud prospects and hope that yeah. they all work out. Um, and that's that. More often than not, it doesn't work. It worked for Houston, uh, but it hasn't worked for everybody else necessarily. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about free agency. Uh, there was a lot of deals getting done before the lockout. A lot of guys were trying to get stuff done before the lockout since they knew it wouldn't happen. Before we get to what has been done, I read that Verlander's deal did not get processed correctly, and so it did not get done before the lockout, and now he's kind of oh. left waiting. Oh, yeah. my gosh. I, I did not hear that, Vince. Uh yeah, that was a bit of a surprise to some people that he came back to Houston on that $25 million deal with an option for a second. So they're saying that it didn't go through. There was some kind of snafu and, and yeah. that he doesn't belong to a team currently. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. So basically, however it's supposed to get called in or announced or whatever, it did not get done. So even though it was put out in the news it had was not done the way it's supposed to be done. Kind of like the old the facts didn't get sent kind of a deal on on yeah. Monday. Um, uh, Elvis Dumerville, right? Yeah. Was that the yeah. guy? <laughs> yeah. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's a weird situation. He agreed to the deal and everything, but it, since it did not get processed correctly, he has to wait for the lockout to get done to officially make that deal set, um, wow. which could hurt him financially a little bit during this process. Although I don't think. Verlander and his household is struggling for finances at the moment. I think they're doing just fine. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's talk about the deals. Let's start with some pitchers. Um, The Red Sox signed two guys, uh, not not huge guys, Rich Hill and uh, Paxton as well. Uh, They're trying to get a little bit better. Scherzer to the Mets, of course, was a big deal. And a few other guys, Gossman and Ray, getting signed as well. Uh, Let's start talking about the pitchers, what you saw so far from the free agent field and what you thought about them. Yeah, I was a little bit surprised by Scherzer. He was thought by many to be one of, you know, maybe the top guy. I really thought he would think about reuniting or bringing it back uh, to the Dodgers. Uh, that didn't end up happening. He seemed to really like it there, and he got onto a really good swing in the last three months of the season or so. Uh, but we know the Mets with uh, Steve Cohen are really aggressive over the last couple of winters. Uh, they threw a ton of money at him. Actually, he's going to be making more than a couple of those teams I mentioned, Pittsburgh and Baltimore. He's going to have a salary that's higher than both of those teams. So that kind of illustrates just um, some of the problems that exist within baseball. Without a salary cap, some of these teams could just spend freely and and some of them don't spend at all. And, and that's what the result is. If you think about that, the top of that uh, rotation, potentially, it's going to be uh, Jake DeGrom and Max Scherzer. That's historic if you think about the five combined Cy Young. So, um, you know, they also had Marcus Stroman in the fold who ended up uh, signing with the Chicago Cubs. I believe it was yesterday, three-year, yeah. $71 million deal. So that, that they could have really had three real all-star pitchers at, at the top line of their rotation. As it is, they'll 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 still have one of the top uh, at least one, two punches in the National League. Um, now, moving on to the other guys, Robbie Ray obviously was a big loss for for my Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, they were able to recover by signing Gossman. I think it was a nice uh, kind of 
nice lateral move by them, if you will. I think they offered Ray a competitive deal. I think he wanted to see if he could get a little bit more, uh, and, and they didn't want to wait and, and kind of miss out on both guys. So um, I, I think Gossman is is a comparable talent. Um, he was certainly in the mix. Uh, I know he wasn't a finalist for the Cy Young, but he, I, I think he finished in the top five. So I think Blue Jays fans need to be uh, excited about that. And then, you know, you think about Boston – they kind of patched together a rotation last year with the likes of guys like Garrett Richards and Martin Perez. And and they actually held up for most of the season. If you think about replacing them with Rich Hill and, and James Paxton, who probably won't be able to pitch until sometime into the summer. Um, I think that's an improvement on both fronts. So they're doing a good job of getting some value out of some kind of unheralded guys. Yeah. Uh, Seattle's in, an interesting team. I know we're still a long ways away from the season, but they yeah. seem like they're working hard to put together a squad that can actually compete. They were, they ended the season pretty well this year. Um, you know, what do they need to add? And I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, but what do they need to add to get to over that hump, get into the playoffs? Well, I think they've already done a great job. If you think about bringing in Adam Frazier and, and Robbie Ray, um, JP Crawford is, is look like, uh, looking like an ascending player as is Ty France. Mm-hmm. Um, Mitch Hanniger kind of ran back the clock. He's still in his early thirties and, you know, Kyle Seeger is a free agent that I think the a team like the Blue Jays have been actually linked to. So they might need to go after another uh, third baseman, um, trying to think of, of some guys that, that might fit that that role. No one's really coming to mind uh, right away. Maybe a Chris Bryan. I'm not sure if they're in those sweepstakes or if they're willing to spend that much money. But this is a good team, uh, guys. They won 90 games last year. They were in the wild card mix right until the last day. They ended up blowing that last game. It, it didn't end up mattering because uh, both the Red Sox and I guess the Yankees both won. But uh, this is a good team. They haven't been in the playoffs in I, I think it's 20 years. So it's good mm-hmm. to see them be aggressive. If I'm a fan of this team, I'm pretty fired up uh, about what's been going on. They already have a couple of pretty good pitchers in the mix as well. Yeah, it seems like maybe now that they have a hockey team, Seattle, the Mariners have realized, hey, we're <laughs> now we have competition locally. We got to sell some tickets. We got to yeah. we got this thing going. Um, on the other end of the spectrum, away from pitchers, not a whole lot of guys staying put as of yet. At least there are some. Chris Taylor's re-signing with the Dodgers. Of course, that made sense after Seager moved on. Uh, but uh, Javi Baez to Detroit. Uh, Detroit's been linked to a number of names. So far this offseason, uh, they're trying to get better. They've got good management, uh, and so maybe that's going to help them get better. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team, Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team team ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Yeah, it's funny. A lot of people, um, they were linked to Carlos Correa in, in the early days of free agency. He, he had lunch with former manager A.J. Hinch. I, you know, I think this Tigers team is on the up and up. They won 77 games last year, which is actually more than a lot of people thought they would. Uh, they signed Eduardo Rodriguez, um, one of the kind of a, one of the top second tier pitchers, I would say, on the free agent market. And and bringing in Javier Baez really kind of uh, accelerates that I don't even want to call it a rebuild, a retooling, uh, if you will. They've got some really good-looking uh, young pitchers. Uh, Tariq Scoble uh, and Manning is another guy. Uh, so I, I think this is a team that could definitely be in the mix in that uh, American League Central. And I anticipate their poss- the possibility of there being uh, additional wildcard teams, maybe a 12- or 14-team playoff. So look for the Tigers to be continue to be aggressive once things, are, uh, once things resume again, hopefully uh, sooner rather than later. Two moves I liked were in Chicago, Jan Gomez and Clint Frazier signing with the Cubs. They're not the superstars and the flashy names, but they're two guys who've had good careers in Major League Baseball and should be able, I think, to contribute uh, very quickly for Chicago. 
Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I mean, Frazier was kind of one of those guys uh, when we were talking a little bit earlier, kind of a guy off the scrap heap. He kind of been through it uh, with the Yankees. He might find a bit more success in a lower pressure situation there in the National League on a team that, although it's a big market, they're not really expected to to contend for another couple of years. So if he could find uh, his rhythm and find a at least a somewhat, maybe not an everyday role, but, you know, National League, if you're a bench player, you're playing pretty much every game, uh, and he'll probably get his fair share of starts uh, as well. So, and Gomes, I think he's had a really nice career. Um, He was kind of towards the bottom of the top 50 free agent list, but you could do a lot worse at backstop. I'm trying to think of of what happened to Contreras. Um, Do do they not have him anymore? Um, Pretty good catcher, a couple of time all-star. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if he's on another team or or if he's if he's a free agent, but um, not not a bad. I, I wouldn't say he's as good as Contreras, but he's pretty solid with the bat and he, he's got a pretty good throwing arm as well. So uh, I like those moves by the Cubs, and they got to just try to bring in decent ball players so they can feel the competitive team at least. Yeah, a lot of guys teams are going to that basically two catchers where you got one guy that's playing two or three in a row. And then they'll bring in another guy, and they're, they're more regularly playing multiple catchers. So maybe Contreras is still there, but I don't know. Um, yeah. The Tigers have been aggressive, but so have the Rangers. They bring in Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon, uh, two incredibly talented uh, infielders. And yeah. it looks like they're making a run. They have a, they had a rookie of the year candidate this year as well. Uh, so they're trying, and they got that new ballpark. So they gotta they got to do something to fill it, right? Yeah, you got it. That's a big factor in all of this, Vince. Uh, the, the Globe Life uh, Ballpark, I think it's called. It's only been around for a couple of years. You think about 2000 uh, or 2020, there was no fans for most of the year. I believe they were involved in the playoffs, so they got some fans in. And then last year, they had full fans, but they had a lousy team. So uh, Garcia, it was one of the main bright spots of that team. But um, obviously, I was sad to see Simeon go as a Blue Jays fan and follower. Um, but that was a big contract. They gave him seven years, $175 million. I don't think the Blue Jays wanted to go that far as far as uh, terms term is concerned. And then when they brought in Seager, I was just really surprised that they were able to land both of these guys. Um, if you think about Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, they're going to have a really solid um, infield. I'm not sure who they're going to throw out there at first base, maybe a guy like Nate Lowe, uh, but it might not really matter that much. Uh, I also like them bringing in uh, John Gray. He's uh, had a solid career in Colorado. I think they're hoping that his numbers could go down if he gets away from Coors, although balls can fly out of that park in Texas. Uh, we've seen that uh, in addition. I'm an anti-John Gray guy, so uh, i oh, okay. never I've never said a kind word about him, but <laughs> I don't have any well, good reason for it. Yeah. <laughs> I just never liked the guy. <laughs> well, you, th- you think he was a really high pick out of Oklahoma. He never really lived up to the, you know, his ERA is usually in the high fours. Mm-hmm. Um, I- I'm not a huge John Gray guy uh, either, uh, but he could be one of those guys that unlocks a new level as he gets uh, kind of towards his 30s. It's possible. Yeah, that's true. And with pitchers, you see that many times happen. Uh, Dad, any questions for Graham? Uh, no, like we said, you really, to me, I'm, I'll kind of wait free agency is cleared and then see who's, you know, on the teams from there. I'll be interested to see if the Giants, you know, hold on to most everybody else losing Gossman, but they'll probably pick somebody up to replace him, I would assume. And um, like I said, we had quite a baseball year this year. Hopefully, um, I don't have much patience for the strike. Like I told Vince, I don't know that I ever really recovered from the the other one. Um, even yeah. though, you know, got a little more involved in it. And I, I think baseball could make a big mistake if this really drags on from a fan standpoint, because I think other leagues and other sports are um, are going in the right direction. Graham, has there been a, any talk about how long they expect this lockout to last? Um, I, I've heard some optimistic things that, you know, that a deal could be reached, uh, you know, around the new year. Uh, or, you know, around the holiday time. Uh, and then you hear the other side of things that, um, you, you know, you think about the last meeting they had, it only lasted seven minutes. So I think there's a lot of contentiousness on both sides uh, that really s- kind of boils up to the forefront, if you will, when it, when these negotiations get underway. Um, I, I do have a few ideas when it comes to kind of coming to a solution. I think they need to fix free agency. And as far as service time, I would like to see it go from six years down to five years and, I would like it to be based on games played. Um, Mm -hmm. I think about 700 games played would be uh, about an appropriate uh, number, I think. It's about 
uh, five seasons, five and a half seasons uh, playing, you know, most of the games. But there would have to also be penalties for teams that try to manipulate and, and sit, sit a guy at, at the end of a season so they could uh, have control of them for, for another year. Uh, I think you need to try to eliminate tanking. Uh, so you have to give teams incentives uh, for, for being successful. They might want to look at a draft lottery. Uh, so there's a lot of different things being thrown out there. Is there going to be a universal DH in the National League? Um, so th- I think everything's on the table. Obviously, you're you're in, in favor of that. I am too. Um, so I- I'm not really an insider. I'm not part of these negotiations. But I, I do have some ideas. They haven't uh, called me up to, to hear any of them. But uh, <laughs> I really hope that they can uh, come to an agreement soon because, I mean, we all we all love baseball and uh, we want it to be back as soon as it can. Yeah, we've got big plans, me and Kevin, for the baseball fantasy show next year. And, boy, it would stink to have to push that off. Um, last thing yeah. for you, Graham, the Brewers made what I think was a phenomenal trade before the lockout. They send uh, Jackie Bradley Jr., who they <laughs> got last year. They traded him for yeah. Hunter Renfro. They traded away a couple prospects as well. Uh, I never understood the JBJ thing. I ne- he didn't fit with Lorenzo Cain in Milwaukee. They were the same player. And yeah. a great defensive player, great person for the locker room, all that kind of stuff. But it, it just didn't make any sense. Hunter Renfro, he's not a great player, but they lose some outfielders with Avisal Garcia. Uh, to be able to bring in Renfro, I think, in my opinion, was a great move by Milwaukee. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you, Vince. Uh, he, he had a really nice year uh, in Beantown. He he was uh, among the leaders in outfield assist, in addition to uh, his offensive numbers, were, which were pretty gaudy. I, I don't really understand this on Boston's, and it's a bit of a head stra- scratcher. Um, now, if one of those prospects ends up uh, turning into a contributing player for them, it might not look as bad. But Jackie Bradley Jr., really, with the exception of the one all-star season he had, he's been a below-average offensive player for much of his career, and especially last year. I mean, Milwaukee had a hard time with the bats throughout the year. They were really – the pitching was the strength of their team. Uh, minus – there was they had, they had a bit of a stretch in the middle of the season when they were scoring a ton of runs, but – really the pitching got them to the postseason. So they're hoping that Renfro can be a, you know, a big time run producer for them. Maybe Yelich can figure out it out again and uh, they, they can find a way to get back to, you know, almost a hundred games they won last year. So they got some momentum there in the Midwest for sure. Definitely. And they fired their batting coach. He's in Pittsburgh now. Uh, but uh, <laughs> hopefully, he is. hopefully that goes well for everybody. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's exciting. Hopefully this lockout doesn't last too long and, Hopefully by the time we get around to the spring, everything will be figured out and, uh, and, and the right, uh, compromises will take place and baseball will learn from the past and uh, not shoot themselves in the foot again this year. Uh, great talking with you, Graham. We'll have you on again as more baseball stuff breaks. Uh, but, uh, hope that you have great. a wonderful Christmas time and, and, uh, holiday season and all those good things as well. And, uh, tell everybody where they can find you at social media and your writings and shows that you're on. You bet. Uh, so you could find my writings, uh, bellyupsports.com. I typically write, uh, MLB things. I got, I've had a couple of free agent, uh, posts come out recently. Also jaysjournal.com. I've had some, uh, Blue Jays centric, uh, things come out there as well. Uh, Wednesday nights, I've got, uh, NFL power rankings on Man Hour Radio. So look for them on YouTube, also on Twitter at Man Hour Radio. Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter, uh, at Bus Wallace. Uh, so come find me there. And if I could do a quick shout out, uh, do you guys know this logo here? Dad, you know that one? Is it CFL? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, my, it's uh, my Hamilton Tiger, Tiger Cat. Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> you you got it, Dale. Uh, so, th- so they're going to be there playing the Toronto Argonauts uh, Sunday, the Eastern Final. The winner goes to the Great Cup. So uh, I went to the Eastern Semifinal uh, last week against Montreal. It was, it was a great yeah. game. I know you guys probably don't know a whole lot about the CFL, but it's a very exciting brand of football. It's not quite like the CFL, uh, the NFL, uh, but it, it's I enjoy both leagues. And uh, go Cats uh, this Sunday. What I know about the CFL is it's in Canada and uh, the little bit that Rod Peterson told me about when he came on the show. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and now I know the Tiger Cats are still in it. So <laughs> You got it. Yeah, they haven't won uh, the Great Cup since 1999, so uh, oh. we're hoping this is our year. It's been quite a while, and there's only uh, nine teams, so it's been quite the drought. <laughs> that, is, that's, that is quite way, the drought. Way back in yeah. the day, was it? 
Oh, yep. sorry. Way back in the day, there, wasn't Warren Moon in the CFL? Yeah, he sure was. Edmonton Eskimo. Wasn't Warren Moon in the CFL back in the day? Yeah. They, they were known as the Edmonton Eskimos. They had to change their name uh, to the Elks, uh, but they won five straight great, great cups, and he parlayed that into a wonderful career uh, with the Houston Oilers and Minnesota Vikings, a few other teams. So uh, good good little piece of uh, info there. Uh, nice one, Dale, coming through with the CFL uh, info there and history. Uh, but uh, all the uh, good feelings to the Stover family over the holidays, for sure, uh, as we uh, – kind of call it call it a year here on 2021 almost yes uh, going into the new year hopefully things will get continually better uh graham thanks so much for being with us so we really do appreciate it and uh we'll we'll talk to you again in the new year okay you bet thanks Vince. all right that's graham wallace from bellip sports and jay's journal joining us here uh, today to talk all things baseball and we'll see if they'll throw in there for you we weren't planning on that one so there you go We're, we are broadening our horizons here at the sports stove. Uh, here we're going to get into now the college football conversation. Uh, it is an interesting conversation to have considering that we are now in conference championship weekend. Uh, and with that comes uh, all the excitement there, but also we got coaching carousel going on. There's all kinds of movement right now and things happening in the coaching carousel. And so we're going to be talking about that as well. Dad will be back with us here in just a minute, hopefully. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Uh, we are working on getting him uh, uh, back into the studio. Uh, a little technical difficulties there, but hopefully eventually. Um, thank you for tuning in, by the way. We've got some great offers for you on the table. Uh, if you're looking for Christmas gifts, we got some options for you uh, through LaTerrain.com. It's actually Law-Terrain.com. If you're looking for watches or great accessories for men, you can go to Law-Terrain.com. You can use the code SPORTSSTOVE, and that's going to get you 10% off your purchase. They have some beautiful watches, uh, some great-looking fashion there as well. Then if you're looking for some sunglasses, uh, we've also got a deal for you from Yeats.com or YeatsOfficial.com. Yeats Sunglasses. Use the code SPORTSSTOVE at checkout. You're going to get 10% off your purchase there as well. And so as you do your Christmas shopping, and then you can also get yourself some Sports Stove apparel. It's available. Uh, if you go through our Twitter page at Sports Stove, you'll find the link there for Sports Stove apparel. You can click. We have affordable T-shirts, long-sleeve shirts, and sweatshirts all available for you uh, there. And I would love to get you involved on that as well. Well, this coming up now on Saturday is college football and the college football championships, conference championships. Out west, you got Oregon versus Utah. Then we've got Baylor versus Oklahoma State in the Big 12. The SEC is Georgia. And then Houston versus Cincinnati is playing Michigan in the Big 10. And then Pittsburgh and Wake in the ACC. Dad, when we look at the uh, college football championships this weekend, it's it's kind of must win for basically four teams, in my opinion. You got Bama, Oklahoma State, Cincinnati, and Michigan. If they want a chance to be in the playoffs, they have to win this weekend. Out of those teams, well, let's take Bama out for a minute. Oklahoma State, Michigan, and Cincinnati. Do you think any of those three teams will lose this weekend? Um, I mean. They probably shouldn't. Um, Oklahoma State might be the one more in question. Um, again, you know, Iowa, you know, you really never know. Uh, it'd be interesting if all three of them lost. I would really be wild and open things up. Um, no doubt about that. But, um, you know, it'd be very possible that all three of them would win. Yeah, Oklahoma State's the one that scares me the most as far as beating Baylor. Uh, Michigan should be able to handle Iowa. Iowa has a good record, but they they had a weak schedule this year. 
Cincinnati should handle Houston. Let's talk about Georgia-Bama. Um, Georgia's in the playoffs no matter what. Win or lose, they're in. Bama has to win to stay in the playoffs. Do you think Alabama, not can they, but do you think they will beat Georgia this weekend? Uh, no, I think Georgia has been dominant all year, and I think um, I think they can win this one. Now, again, it, it should be a whale of a football game. Uh, Georgia's going to have to score to beat them, but I think that's, you know, I, I don't, it shouldn't be a shootout. Um, so it, it'll be interesting. I think Georgia can win this. Um, obviously, it won't be shocking if Alabama does. But um, this should be a great football game. Yeah, and you're looking – I mean, if two of these teams lose, let's say Oklahoma State and Bama lose, Notre Dame then is jumping up probably into the playoffs as well, and they're doing it after their coach left them uh, (laughs) with still a possibility to make the playoffs. It's the craziest thing I think that's happened in quite some time. Um, If you had to guess right now who is the final four at the end of the day, um, again, I think it would be Georgia and Georgia, Michigan, um, Cincinnati, Cincinnati, cause I think they'll win. And then that last spot will be interesting, um, depending whether Alabama wins or not. I have said, I think Alabama can make it with two losses. That may not be the case, um, depending, you know, again, if Notre Dame was to win and, um, you know, just see where it ended up there. Yeah, I think, you know, it's set up to be Georgia, Cincinnati, Michigan, Oklahoma State. I think if Bama loses uh, and Oklahoma State loses, I think Notre Dame jumps into that spot even though they don't have a championship game to play, um, you know, I think I think they have potential to jump in there as well. Uh, it'll be a really interesting time for sure. Let's talk about the coaching changes. A lot of things happening. Um, most people don't care about most of these coaches. Virginia Tech hired Penn State's defensive coordinator Brent Pry, uh, who returns to Virginia Tech. Uh, TCU hired uh, SMU's head coach Sonny Dykes. Florida hires Louisiana's coach Billy Napier. But really what he comes down to is this Lincoln Riley and Brian Kelly hires. Let's talk about Lincoln Riley first. Do you think he is trying to avoid the SEC by taking this USC job? Um, I think so. I've heard at least that would be part of it. Again, you know, um, you know, he has a chance to go to USC and be more dominant in the conference there. Um, again, I don't know all the details. I haven't read them all, but I heard a friend of mine tell me the other day, you know, what his contract and all the things involved out there. Um, you know, it definitely from his standpoint, making a move, a little surprised in some ways he left Oklahoma. But, um, but like I said, a lot of, a lot of things have changed with the idea with the conferences expanding, you know, playoffs expanding, um, the, the um, Transfer portal. I just saw today where he's taking a big recruit with him out there. It'll be two of them now that's going out there. Um, you know, recruiting wise, I mean, California is full of players, and and he's one of the coaches that's able to get people out of California. He shouldn't have any trouble keeping people in California. Um, you know, for him, I think it'll be good. It'd be good for USC. Yeah, and at this point, it's just been taking recruits. It hasn't been transfer portal guys yet. It's been guys who were committed to Oklahoma that are now going to USC. But once the transfer portal opens after the bowls are done, yeah, he can bring in some free agent guys that can contribute immediately. He can turn USC around in one year, uh, very possibly, with what he's able to do. I was asked uh, on a radio interview earlier tonight if I thought Lincoln Riley chickened out of going to the SEC. And I don't. I wouldn't go as far as saying he chickened out. I think he made a wise business decision. You go to USC because there you can turn it around and you can be the bell of the ball, as a wise Michael Scott once said, the bell of the ball. Uh, he's he's there. Uh, he can turn USC around. He can be everything that needs to be uh, there and, and win. Now let's talk about Brian Kelly at LSU. He leaves Notre Dame, one of the top schools in the nation, uh, a team that he has had a lot of success with but has not been able to win that championship. Um to go to LSU that has fired a coach a year and a half after he won a national championship. Uh, can Brian Kelly 
win a national championship? Not can he? Will he win a national championship at LSU? Well, again, the SEC is stacked, so that's one thing that would kind of hurt. But he'll be able to recruit well uh, at LSU. Um, I would assume maybe he can, he had some frustration with Notre Dame they're getting in a conference. Um, again, with things expanding with more teams in the playoffs, uh, being in the SEC and being able to recruit in the SEC, uh, you know, sometimes I'm sure it surprised a lot of people. But, um, you know, I, I mean, Notre Dame's a very historic school, no doubt about that. And they've got the big TV contract they've always had. it. So kids that play there are going to be on TV every week. But when you look at the competition they play, Notre Dame's going to have two tough games, and then they're going to play teams that they are going to be favored over most of the time. Um, they've gotten away when it used to be two or three big, three or four big rivalry games in a year. Um, they don't play some of them in anymore where now but LSU you know we've talked many times about all the coaches that are in the SEC so there's a lot of competition and a lot of teams are only getting better one of the things that I think speaks volume is the fact that his top assistants didn't go with them to LSU he they could have they did not now one of them looks like he's getting the head coaching job so that makes sense but Tommy Reese the offensive coordinator he could have went to LSU say at Notre Dame does that and does that look bad at at, at Brian Kelly? Because to me, I look at that and go, that's not good for Brian Kelly. Uh, no, I mean, I, yeah, I, I think there's you know there's obviously it's it's a little bit funny the way he left, um, and yeah, the fact that he didn't take any assistance with him that's very that's very interesting. Marcus Freeman, he was the defensive coordinator. He's not officially been announced as the head coach but it looks like he's going to be the Notre Dame players. And it sounds like the recruits have spoken highly of Freeman to the university. And it looks like he'll take over. Tommy Reese will stay as the offensive coordinator. They were also able to keep a uh, strong assistant. Um, Bayless, I think his name is uh, as well. So Notre Dame looks like it's got its, its next head coach. That really leaves Oklahoma as the big school left to figure out who in the world is going to coach Oklahoma. Now, names that have been mentioned, Matt Campbell from Iowa State, Luke Fickle from Cincinnati, Brent Venables, the defense coordinator at Clemson, and Dan Lanning, the Georgia D.C. Um, from what I've heard from my sources is it's Brent Venables or Dan Lanning, the two defensive coordinators from Clemson and Georgia, as the leading candidates for this job. Another source told me, I'm using that word source lightly, uh, told me that the hire should be done Sunday or Monday uh, for Oklahoma. Of course, they want to wrap this up soon as well. Dad, I know you like my, Matt Campbell at Iowa State. Uh, Luke Fickle's done a great job at Cincinnati, and of course, they're going to the Big 12 next year. Um, Oklahoma's a better job than Cincinnati, no doubt, but uh, I mean, what happens with Oklahoma now? Well, I, you know, I, I don't know. And like I said, if they get a, somebody that's a head coach uh, already, then that's then there's going to be a little bit more movement in the jobs. If they get a coordinator, um, then, you know, and I don't know what their, their philosophy is going to be. I was very interested in the way the SEC, just to look at the difference between LSU and Florida. Both are really high-profile programs. I'm not sure you can say the Florida job's not. You know, as good or better than LSU, but yet Florida went and got somebody who they think is going to be a really good coach and can build a program. And LSU was, you know, they were dead set on getting a name, um, you know, a big name, no doubt about that. So I, you know, I don't know how Oklahoma will will approach that for sure. Um, the assistants come from very, you mentioned, come from very good programs, and probably would be, you know. Uh, very good coaches, and if they can recruit, because that's one thing that Riley really could do, um, then Oklahoma, you know, and they're going to have to be good, um, you know, in the SEC. There's no doubt about that. And it's interesting the stuff you're saying about Notre Dame. It sounds like Brian Kelly leaving is going to energize Notre Dame and uh, maybe a real upswing there. And that's that. There's just a lot of surprising things. I didn't see all this coaching moves and all the things that were affected by it coming. Yeah, I mean, there have been things said about Brian Kelly in the past, his attitude and the way he treated people and things like that. Um, but it seems like the Notre Dame fa- players were not happy with the way Brian Kelly left um, and the way it all went down, whatever. But 
I think that they're rallying behind their current staff and especially behind Marcus Freeman and Tommy Reese saying that he's going to stick around. I think you're right. I think it energizes uh, the team, and that could make them an interesting team if they make the playoffs even this year. Wouldn't it be crazy if Brian Kelly leaves for LSU and all of a sudden Notre Dame wins the national championship the same year, that <laughs> the weeks after he left? That would be absolutely nuts. Uh, Duke is without a coach. They decided to part ways with David Cutcliffe. And Virginia as Bronco Mendenhall stepped down. Good riddance to you, Bronco. Thanks for rejecting us earlier this year. That's what you get. That's right. Uh, any other comments before we go to the NFL? No, like I said, a lot, a lot happening and make for an interest. And again, college football got a lot of decisions to make, just, you know, playoffs. And again, um, a lot of the smaller conferences are getting filled up now. And there's a lot of movement among those teams, um, you know, outside of the power five. Um, and we don't know in a year or two what kind of effect that may have, depending on how this whole playoff thing goes. I talked with Walt Wells, head coach of uh, Eastern Kentucky University, for our Wednesday episode. I did ask him to clear up any confusion. I asked him if he was going to Notre Dame. Uh, he said he's not Catholic. It would not work out. So he's staying at Eastern Kentucky for anybody wondering. All right, let's move to the NFL. Um, we've got – let's just talk about the games this week, and then we'll wrap up the episode uh, here this week. The Packers are on a bye week, so we'll probably take a good – Good rest this week, although fantasy football is still alive and kicking. A game going on right now, the New Orleans Saints hosting the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys missing a few people for COVID reasons. Saints have guys injured. Taysom Hill getting the start uh, there. It's 0-0, to go in the first quarter. As we are currently talking uh, there, it's probably going to be a pretty disgusting game would be my guest uh, just with all the people that are out. Let's get straight to our picks uh, this week, Dad. And uh, we both had great weeks last week. You went four for six, uh, and I went five for six on the on the week. And uh, so picks were going well. I'm pretty sure I get all six correct this week, so we'll see. Um, but Dad, let's let's start with your uh, first game this week. I'll take um, Cincinnati Bengals um, to cover against the Chargers. They're three point favorite against the Chargers. Um, you know, that one scares me. The Chargers are so talented. They haven't played well this year. I feel like eventually it's going to click for them, both on offense and on defense. So I'm scared to go against the Chargers. I'm also scared to pick the Chargers. I stayed away from that game. Uh, but any thoughts you have on that game? Uh, no, again, Cincinnati, I think, you know, as, as a I hear national talk. It doesn't seem like they're getting quite as much consideration about being able to win the division, but they've played really well. And the fans around here, you know, uh, the jungle is something that, you know, there's a lot of excitement there now. And it just looked like to me they ought to keep rolling. Like you said, the Chargers just been real puzzling. And, um, you know, again, if the Bengals are going to keep going, uh, this is a game they're going to need to win. And it's at home. You wouldn't think Cincinnati would win the division when you've got Baltimore and Cleveland in the division, but why not Cincinnati? I mean, Baltimore, Lamar Jackson threw four interceptions. Now, they won the game last week, but he threw four interceptions. They've not been consistent. Cleveland has been just an absolute mess this year. Pittsburgh's horrible. There's a legit chance Cincinnati could win the division this year. Yeah, I, I think there's a possibility, and and again, they just need to keep winning these games. So uh, I feel pretty good about this one. Uh, my first game is the Atlanta Falcons plus 11 against Tampa Bay. Uh, the last time these two teams played, Tampa Bay won by 23 points. But I feel like Atlanta has improved slightly in the season. They're at home. It's a division game. Uh, I trust home uh, division division opponents in most cases. So I'm going with Atlanta at plus 11. Uh, for those reasons there. Uh, your second game, Dad. Um, I've got Las Vegas over the Washington football team. All right. Las Vegas is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I went opposite of you on this one, Dad. I actually went Washington uh, in this game. Washington has covered three straight games in a row now. They've been playing better as well. Gibson is a great running back. McLaurin's a great wide receiver. Heineke is a average quarterback uh, the defense has played a little bit better Vegas to me they're on the ropes they're getting ready to just get beat up in my opinion 
You have confidence in them this week. What gives you the confidence for Las Vegas over Washington? Well, both these teams, if they're going to get in the playoffs, you know, it'll be a game that's really important. I think they're at home. Also, it was the line. And when I checked right before our broadcast, I thought the line was one point. Oh, let's see here. It's now at one and a half where I have okay. it. So it did, we'll give you one and a half. Uh, so, all right. Vegas and, at one and a half. And I'm more positive, I guess. I Carter's just done a good job with leadership, and yeah. um, and and we'll see. I thought this is the one I went back and forth on in my mind a lot because you just don't know what Washington team's going to show up either. Yeah, Vegas has no receivers. Their tight end is probably out this this week, and and Waller. They have an okay run game. They have an okay defense. To me, there's just so much chaos around Vegas. I'm probably picking against them the rest of the way uh, in, this season uh, there. Uh, so we both picked that game. I went with Washington. You went with Vegas. We moved that to one and a half as the line there. Who is your third game? Uh, I'll take the 49ers over the Seahawks. Okay. I picked this game as well, but I went with the Seahawks. The 49ers are a three-point favorite uh, over Seattle. It is in Seattle as well. Uh, what gives you confidence? I think I know, but what gives you confidence about San Francisco this week? Well, San Francisco has got a real shot here at getting in the playoffs, no doubt about that. And their division's getting kind of interesting too. Um, so, again, I think they're playing better. I think they're on a roll. Uh, I said weeks ago I thought Seattle was in trouble. They haven't showed me anything that would change that yet. Um, they've had trouble at home this year when usually they do not. And, again, it's a division game. And, I mean, San Francisco has got – this is a game they really need to win, and um, the way they've been playing, they're, they're, I think they easily can. They have been playing well. A lot of people are in on San Francisco now. I look at it kind of the same way as I looked at the Atlanta game. Seattle is at home. It's a division game. There's pride on the line here, um, so I pick Seattle. Now, Seattle's only covered three games this year, and uh, one of those was against San Francisco. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm hedging, hedging there. Uh, I go with Seattle plus three. You go San Francisco minus three in that game. Uh, game number four for you. Uh, I'm going to take Buffalo over New England. Again, Buffalo's at home, and uh, I think they've bounced back. And New England's played awful well, so this should be a good game. But I went Buffalo. Buffalo is currently a two-and-a-half-point favorite. And uh, I stayed away from this one. Buffalo, they're at home. They should win this game. They should win by, you know, at least three points, if not seven or 10 or 14 or 20. Um, the problem, Buffalo has not ran the ball well this year. New England has not been able to stop the run this year, but they're both kind of working into each other's uh, um, strengths to some degree here. So I stayed away from that one. Uh, my fourth game, Dad, is Detroit. Plus seven versus Minnesota. Uh, Detroit is four of their last five covering games. Uh, a touchdown given to them here against Minnesota, who has their own issues. They've been playing better, um, but they've had some some issues, especially with legal issues off the field with Everson Griffin last week. Um, you know their offense has been good, but Detroit has stayed in games. They've kept games close, and so I'm going to go with Detroit plus seven over Minnesota. Uh, your fifth game this week. Uh, well, I took Detroit also. I picked oh, okay. game and, and I went with Detroit again. I think um, that's too many points, and I'm not sure Detroit won't win the game. Um, from there, I know their coach, which is kind of interesting, but you know, made the statement that hey, our for now our goal is just to ruin everybody's season. And, um, you know, we, we'll, we'll see from there. But Detroit's had some really close games. Um, you know, Minnesota has a chance to get in the playoffs, but, um, I, you know, with that many points, it looks to me like Detroit should be get closer than that. All right. My fifth game of the week is the Rams minus 13 over Jacksonville. The Rams started the season seven and one against the spread, and then they've had three straight losses against the spread, uh, here these last three weeks, but they're minus 13. Jacksonville is so bad. I felt like the Rams were a safe bet uh, this week. Uh, who's your last game of the week? Last game going to go 
um, with Miami. Miami over the Giants. Miami over the Giants. Miami is a four-point favorite right now over the New York football Giants. Uh, Miami's looked good as of late. I've got Tua in my fantasy football lineup with Aaron Rodgers on by this week. So uh, I'm hoping for a good game from him and from Waddle, who's been a good pickup for me on fantasy football as well. Uh, I think it's probably a pretty safe bet. I'm not sure why I didn't pick Miami. But uh, nonetheless, I went with my last game of the week. I went with Baltimore. They're four-and-a-half-point favorites over Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh is in the dumps. Baltimore has covered three of their last four. Uh, Four-and-a-half, basically, they just got to beat them by two field goals or a touchdown or whatever it may be. So I went with Baltimore over Pittsburgh. Uh, to round up my six. So, Dad, you've got Cincinnati minus three, Buffalo minus two and a half, Vegas minus one and a half, one underdog with Detroit at plus seven, then Miami minus four, and San Francisco minus three. I went with four underdogs, Atlanta plus 11, Detroit plus seven, Washington plus one and a half, Seattle plus three, and then two favorites with the Rams minus 13 and the Ravens minus four and a half. Should be a good week of football. There really are some entertaining games uh, this week, it'll be interesting to see the Cardinals, their strength of Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins both get back on the field uh, this week. Cincinnati, uh, the Los Angeles should be a really good game, entertaining game to watch. Um, let's see here. What was the other game I was thinking of? Ravens Steelers should be good. Broncos Chiefs could be entertaining, but that Monday night game, Bills and Patriots, is going to be quite the game. Uh, as well, I think. Uh, do you have a uh, MVP for the season who you think is going to end up being the MVP? Well, I, I looked at that, and a name I heard, and when I started looking at everybody and all the teams, a guy you really like would be a running back, Taylor at Indianapolis, is having quite a year. He's having an incredible year. He's still a major long shot for the MVP award. He is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. He's eighth currently in the uh, MVP odds, but he's having a phenomenal year. And if he keeps it up, it's something to watch out for. Now, last year, they didn't give it to uh, Derrick Henry, even though he had a great year. Uh, but there's not really a quarterback that's standing out over and above everybody else. So it's definitely an opportunity. Brady currently leads the odds for MVP, followed by Josh Allen and Aaron Rodgers. And those are the three main guys right now that are getting the attention. Mahomes, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, and Jonathan Taylor are the others uh, there as well. Dak Prescott actually is listed above Jonathan Taylor currently in those odds. But Brady, Allen, and Rodgers are the guys right now to look at. And I'm telling you, back-to-back for Aaron Rodgers is definitely a possibility right now with the way that he's been playing. Yes, it, it really is. And I, you know, if they continue to do well here at the end of the season, um, and I mean, he has potential to rip off some big games. He has He's had good numbers here lately with both his passer rating and the number of touchdowns. So, um, he, yeah, he's got a real shot. And like I said, some of the other quarterbacks have been, you know, maybe more up and down. Allen, I thought, would really be a factor. Um, but he's had a couple games that wasn't that good. And, of course, Brady's always a possibility. Definitely. All right. We've had a good show tonight. We sure appreciate Graham Wallace coming on and talking some baseball with us. A lot of college football news and NFL news. For more sports talk, again, I want to invite everybody to join me tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. on the ColorCast app. Uh, It is a free app. You get it, but it's only for Apple users currently. They're going to get it out for Android soon, but currently just for Apple users. Tune in at 9 a.m. on the ColorCast app. If you just search Sports Stove, you'll find us there at 9 o'clock. And it's an opportunity for you to call into the show. All you got to do is push one button. It brings you into the show. You can talk, share your thoughts and opinions uh, as we talk about some of these things, college football and and the NFL and things like that as well. Uh, Our friend Brad Taylor will be on there with me as well. So a a great time planned for tomorrow. I am on ColorCast. It's a huge opportunity for our show um, and a possibility for future partnership with ColorCast and uh, doing more stuff there as well. So I encourage you to come out and be a part of that. Follow us on social media on Twitter and Instagram at Sports Stove. We'll be back with another episode next week, just like this. We also do our our Wednesday local hour uh, covering mainly EKU athletics. Uh, Good chance 
We'll have a UFC fighter on actually there as well, Harry Hunsucker, who's been on our podcast before. He's got a fight coming up here December 18th. He lives locally here around me. And so we'll have him on the local hour, hopefully this week, and then uh, some basketball players from EKU as well. Catch up on all past episodes, wherever you get your podcast, the Sports Stove Podcast is available also on YouTube. Just search the Sports Stove Podcast and you'll find us there. All right, Dad, good show tonight. Uh, wonderful job. We'll be back. Uh, we'll be following Sunday to see how those picks turn out for both of us. And uh, we'll come back with some uh, 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 bragging rights next week. We'll also be talking about next week our college football over-under win totals that we talked about at the beginning of the season, seeing how we ended up on those uh, as the regular college football season and championships will be done. Uh, we'll talk about all that next week as well. All right. Don't forget, if you're Christmas shopping, law-terrain.com. Use sports code uh, sports stove as your code for 10% off watches and accessories. Or also yeetsofficial.com for sunglasses. Code sports stove will get you 10% off there as well. Thank you for tuning in. Until next time, we'll see you around the sports stove.